Doja Arts Festival is back and continues the tradition of celebrating African-American and Caribbean culture with a wide range of events, including visual arts, classical music, dance, gospel, jazz, R&B, poetry, storytelling, theater, children's activities, traditional crafts, education, and ethnic food. Scott Watson, Director of the Office of Cultural Affairs for the City of Charleston, welcome to Let's Talk. Thank you so much. Your office is in charge of many of Charleston's most popular and recognized festivals and special events. So let's talk about one that kicks off this week, the Moja Arts Festival. Obviously, we've been trying to keep Moja present in the community throughout the pandemic. In 2020, we were on a fully virtual platform and last year we were able to bring a few things back um, that were in person, uh, particularly those things that were outdoors and, and spread out. Um, but this year we, we really feel like the planning committee working with the Office of Cultural Affairs has put together a, a nice balanced program that has events at the Dock Street Theater, City Gallery, Festival Hall, as well as the big events that people come to expect, like the reggae block dance out at Brittle Bank on our opening weekend and our finale at Hampton Park on Sunday, the 9th of October. For people who are unfamiliar with Moja, let's go way back to how Moja started. Moja was actually one of the founding initiatives of the Office of Cultural Affairs in the late 70s and early 80s, um, you know, relatively early in Mayor Riley's tenure. It was originally launched as a partnership between the Links the Office of Cultural Affairs for the City of Charleston, and the Gibbs Art Museum as a Black Arts Festival. And that was um, something in the early days, was not an annual event yet. And by the time 1983 rolled around, um, community leaders came forward and said, okay, let, let the community take a leading role in framing this festival, and let's make sure it happens every year consistently so it can grow and really become, you know, part of the fabric of the community the way that they were seeing Spoleto Festival, um, you know, in its first decade take root and, and, and prosper. Um, so it's kind of, you know, ebbed and flowed over time. Um, but, you know, traditionally it's the, the last Thursday in September and runs for 11 days. And, you know, we really balance a combination of... Um, Free to attend events with ticketed events with partnerships with community groups and other institutions so you know the more that we can do to to showcase the vibrancy of african-american culture and arts of the diaspora whether they're caribbean or whether they're um you know something that's had a, a more um global route to get to us um we try to be as inclusive and, and embracing as we can and I think this year we've done a good job of both celebrating the local while highlighting the connection back to African roots. I imagine the festival has seen a lot of changes over the years. The overall participation has definitely grown, but I still have plenty of folks that come up to me and say, Moja's not what it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think what they're remembering is when Charleston was a smaller place right. and Moja probably took a somewhat outsized um place in what was on offer in the fall and so you know like this year um 
when the elements, when Earth, Wind, and Fire play at the um, Coliseum up in North Charleston on Wednesday the 28th, that's not a part of Mojo. But 20-some years ago, the only way we would get a touring national act to the region was for Mojo to take the lead in bringing them in and securing sponsorship. Mm-hmm. You know, so obviously these days between what goes on in North Charleston, what we have coming through the Gilliard, um, what people might travel up to Columbia to see or out to Daniel Island to the Tennis Center, um, we're not necessarily needing to compete in that commercial arena just to find a, a touring R&B band. And that's nice because it frees us up to do more and do more in the community. Um, but we, you know, the, the other one that we hear a lot about is reggae hasn't been the same since it left the custom house. Right. I well, remember those days you very well. <laughs> so many people back behind the custom house, whether it's for the symphony during Piccolo Spoleto or whether it's during reggae, you also notice that when we do the symphony concert there during Piccolo Spoleto, by the time it gets to be 9.30 at night, there's competition from bars, you know, having bands on the market. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we could just, you know, go to 11, um, cranked up to 11 if we were still there. Mm-hmm. And Brittle Bank, based on the crowd we've seen coming out of COVID, you know, it's such a beautiful setting, watching the sunset over the Ashley River with a great vibe, great energy, mm-hmm. an abundance of vendors, but most importantly, friends and neighbors just all gathered together to celebrate, you know, it, it it's one of the great ways to um, spend time in Charleston and, and enjoy what's on offer culturally. One thing that's very unique about the festival is that many of the artists and contributors are from this community. There's no question that, you know, we have a abundance of talented artists, of cultural ambassadors, of people who really can make a demonstrable difference in showing you know the traditions and heritage that's resonates throughout the low country mm-hmm. so we were very fortunate that we have a lot of kind of uh return participants but we're also watching their careers advance and, and their art grow over time so if you look at um Artists like Kiana Parver and Charlton Singleton, both uh-huh. who have long-standing, you know, re- uh, connections to Moja, um, you know, being able to do the Ranky Tanky Homecoming concert in 2017 at the Dock Street, you know, it's it's kind of like the festival has grown while their careers have, have blossomed, and and that's really something that's kind of unique to Charleston, I think, and and obviously what we see is the audiences treat every festival like it's a homecoming. Right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's more hugging and laughing <laughs> in, in a Moja lobby um, than you'd see pretty much any place else other than a family reunion. That That's a great way to uh, describe that. The Grammy award-winning Ranky Tanky, certainly one <laughs> example of that, right? Absolutely. The, the dance and art that we see in other parts of the country are rooted in the traditions of Africa and the Caribbean, and that came through the port cities. So I think that that's one thing that makes the Mojo Arts Festival particularly unique and special. The authenticity and immediacy of roots that are, you know, 
African inflected or, or African based here in Charleston, it, it, it's just, you know, really remarkable. And whether that's, you know, listening to a Gullah storyteller, whether that's um, hearing Marcus Amaker recite a poem, whether that's watching a master percussionist like Quentin Baxter, um, or talking to somebody that's just a wild music enthusiast like Al Frazier, you know, that you, you get, you get to the root. And so one of the projects I'm really pleased about for this year, um, we've been working pre-pandemic with Frank and Sandella Malloy of Harambe Dance Company. Oh yeah. They're good friends uh, of mine. <laughs> so we, uh, they celebrated their 25th anniversary of the company. Um, a few summers back before the pandemic by doing a, a concert recital at a James Island Charter High School. Mm-hmm. And coming out of that, we got them to partner on a few projects with Moja. And Frank is a proud College of Charleston Cougar. So we connected them back with the dance faculty at the School of the Arts there. And they had a nice residency. Well, through the pandemic this year, we've been working behind the scenes on a commission for the company. The company is now co-located in Atlanta and the Bronx. And so they are just bursting with excitement that they're coming to the Dock Street Theater for a half-week residency and will present a new work that Sandella's created, um, commissioned with support from South Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts, that really is designed to to celebrate the connection between the Low Country back to West Africa. That's amazing. They'll also be at the county library main branch doing a student performance and a master class over at the college. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that you will see them, you know, kind of throughout all of the other Mojo events that are here. Um, if you go on Facebook and, you know, click on the mutual friend in common, you know, you already see that we're going to be lucky if we have enough time in the theater to get ready because of all the other people that want to catch up and hang out with them. <laughs> And and I'm one of those people, too. They are good friends of, of mine. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing them really most of my life. And it's wonderful to see how the company has grown, but they have still been able to maintain such a close contact with this community. And it, it's, it's really a ex- very exciting thing to see. Well, one of the things we're really excited about is, is the by doing this project, we're able to then connect them with professional networks through my office and through the visibility of that Doc Street presentation. So we're really hopeful that this new piece will be seen by presenters in North Carolina and Georgia and Tennessee mm-hmm. who may very well want to host the company for, you know, a run-out performance or a half-week residency, which they're well-equipped to do. And the other thing that I really like about it is we weren't going to go and invite Cleo Parker Robinson or Phil Adanko to come and perform at Moja two weeks before Dance Theater of Harlem is premiering a work at the Gilliard in partnership with the International African American Museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, in uh, late October, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. October 20th and 21st with a student performance on the 19th. So I feel like this gave us a chance to just double down and really go deeper so that student audiences we'll get an experience that's a little bit more African rooted with what Harambe does and then follow it up a couple weeks later with, you know, seeing that magnificent DTH company on the stage 
Scott, what else do you want people to know about Moja? We'd love people to door knock. You know, they can call our office. They can email us. They can reach out with a message on Facebook. If somebody has an idea for next year or just something they want to explore or something they'd like to see, get in touch with us. We, we do program the festival with a all-volunteer planning committee that you know really sets to work in November to get next year's festival ready to go. Um, but we want to hear what's going on. So you know, sometimes there's a community program that we may not know about. A good example of that is that uh, an African-American opera singer from the Met is going to be performing at the Unitarian Church on Sunday, October 9th at a free-to-attend Goodwill Offering performance. We're delighted to be able to put that program alongside another classical program that we had already planned to include, a uh, Cuban soprano performing with Holy City Arts and Lyric Opera at the Dock Street on Friday the 30th. So it's great to... to rather than just having one classical music event really bookend the festival with two things, both of which were instigated by artists or, or local arts professionals, um, rather than the committee saying, go out and, and book an opera singer. Enjoy that everything's coming back. There's some new initiatives. So one that specifically comes to mind is last July, um, Charleston collectively had a great loss with the passing of Joey Morant. Mm -hmm. And Joey used to call me at my office, usually, you know, at 6.15, 6.30, right as I was trying to get home for supper. <laughs> and would chew my ear about how he, he knew how to fix Mojo. All we needed to do was send him a big old check to bring down the best jazz musicians in the world. We'd get it right back to where it had to be and where it should be and where it was when he was still here in Charleston. And so with Joey's passing, um, our office helped both with home going um, and his ultimately, you know, the family he was interred down at Buford at the National Cemetery. But since those events were small and we were still navigating COVID, the mayor proclaimed October 8th as Joey Morant Day in the city of Charleston. And we had mm -hmm. a jazz jam um, where we just encouraged everybody to come out and share. Mm -hmm. So for this year, um, Joey's son, Obi, has been working tenaciously behind the scenes. They have a not-for-profit foundation that's set up to both help promising music students coming out of schools like Burke and to do some medical research in areas that were related to the underlying conditions that, you know, accelerated Joey's passing. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll be doing a concert at Festival Hall on Saturday, the 8th of October. Um, doors open at 7, 7.30 for the start of the show. And the talent is a phenomenal, legendary Harlem pianist, uh, Danny Mixon, and a vocalist from Newark, Antoinette Montague. They're folks that, that played with Joey when he was up in Harlem, you know, in, in these years that he wasn't here in Charleston. And that... It's just a knockout performance, mm -hmm. but more importantly, it's giving a chance for the Joey Miranda, all that jazz foundation, you know, to get some visibility locally and, and let people, you know, have that awareness. And if they want to get involved and be supportive, um, Obi and, and the family would be happy to share more, but you know, that, that ability to, to do good work that helps more good work happen is something I'm really happy about because, you know, obviously 
We have no shortage of great jazz musicians locally. Obi has been working really hard behind the scenes. He and I have been in communication as well, so we'll make sure that people are aware about that event coming up. Eight. Saturday okay. evening. Okay. And I, I'm sure Obi will be the MC and, and have lots of tricks up his sleeves. I know they're going to have some auction items and things like that to throw into the mix. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think for a lot of folks, you know, just having the chance to come out and hear live music and be with your friends, you know, enjoy a, a relaxed environment. Um, it's something a lot of folks ha- haven't done for a while. Right. So we, we hope they'll get up off the couch or um, away from the computer screen. So that's something that uh, planners keep in mind when organizing the Moja Festival, as well as other festivals, that people might be on fixed income and not able to afford a higher price, though they want to participate in the arts and want to be out there like everyone else. You know, one thing we do at Moja is we make sure everything is accessible. So the bulk of our ticket prices this year are $25. It's that same, you know, basic price. It might be um, $27.50 when you check out, but it's not like you know, that you're going to get sticker shock with the handling fees and print at home fee and all of that. Um, and then if anybody has any barrier to participation, if you know somebody who's on a fixed income um, or, you know, folks from your church who need a little help, we do have plenty of access to outreach tickets that can be pro- provided on an invitation basis to either groups or individuals. And... We also have senior price tickets um, for events like the gospel concert at $15. Scott Watson, Director of the Office of Cultural Affairs for the City of Charleston. You've been generous with your information and we love your enthusiasm and certainly we share it for the 2022 Moja Arts Festival. Thank you so much for speaking with me and we look forward to seeing you at Moja. Fantastic. We welcome everybody and it's going to be a great festival, but more importantly, it's just such a wonderful time of year here in Charleston and we love seeing how the arts can can make this community you know really shine and and resonate deeply Um, so come out and, and celebrate with us we most certainly will Scott Watson thank you again this episode of Let's Talk. Let's Talk is produced by Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time. Mm